This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. Here we are in the edge of World War III. Inflation now seems out of control. The Fed seems to have let the train leave the station and are now going to raise interest rates into that inflation, which is already there. It's cooking. And it just looks more like a knee-jerk reaction than a carefully planned and thought-out strategy, which is what you want from an organization like the Fed, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like maybe that's what they wanted to do, but they weren't allowed to do it. They had to keep the interest rates down. So when they should have caught this thing right in the butt, instead they let it grow to where it is. It's out of control. Now, Biden wants to throw a lot more money at the problem, which is caused by a lot more money. And the Fed wants to raise interest rates, which might be the right thing if they just don't get carried away because it's going to put more fuel on that fire. They got to do it. And I hope they do it very carefully. He wears black denim trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Ride Radio. His name is New York Mike and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio on New York Mike. It's been a long week. This is New York Mike and Roll Right Radio. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. It's been a crazy weekend, and for the last couple of weeks, we've been off schedule, but that's okay because the schedule is kind of flexible. You see Roll Right out there, and you go, oh, okay, I could jump in. I could listen. All right, well, there you go. So we're not tied to an exact schedule, especially because. The season is coming up, baby. <laughs> the riding season. Yeah, there's a lot going on in February, obviously. And we're going to talk about February in a minute. But March, I think it's March 6th is the first day of bike week. March 1st is Fat Tuesday. So, yeah, I plan on riding. I'm going to head out to bike week around the 25th, 26th. Get to New Orleans. See my buddy Tony Rubo, hopefully. When I get there, Tony doesn't miss too many Mardi Gras, I don't believe. So that's my plan. Get there, spend a day, then Fat Tuesday, then boom, get back on the road and get to Daytona. Going to stop in Panama City on the way. Looking forward to that. And that's it. I get back, middle of March, and then Petrina and I are going to get ready to go to Austin, Texas for the PLH, Peace, Love, and Happiness Ride. 20th anniversary. That's going to be pretty cool. So there's a lot of bike stuff coming up. Probably going to ride to the CCT reunion at the end of March before we go to Austin, Texas. And then come back from Austin, Texas, the middle of April, and start getting ready for Rolling to Remember, baby. Memorial Day weekend, that's a big one for me. And we're getting closer to it. Start thinking about it. Even if you don't have a motorcycle, Memorial Day is so important. And Right now, I mean, we're on the edge. We don't want to go over this edge, but let's be honest about it. Let's be brutally honest and recognize that we're on the edge of World War III. I mean, a major war with the Soviet Union in Europe is nothing to be joked about. It's nothing to be sneezed at. This is big. We shouldn't have ever gotten this close. And it really is so important in the human experience that we have hope. 
that we have a vision for the future, that we can see all those things. But hope also feels like the last resort, something that you do when you have nothing else and you go to church and, you know, you say, God, please help me. Hope, it's such a double-edged sword sometimes. And we're in that moment when everything's about hope because this president, oh my God. And they keep on, you know, saying that we're lying when we say he stole it. They ought to be saying, yeah, you're right. Because they ought to be embarrassed and ashamed. This is supposed to be the best that they have. And I say they, I mean the Democrat Party, the left wing of America. This is who they put up for president. They ought to be looking at us and looking at the country and looking at the world and saying, well, you know what, maybe we did make a mistake. Maybe that election was stolen. Maybe you didn't get 81 million votes. My God, that's a travesty. So here we are. I want to talk about a lot of things. Rolling to remember is coming up. I definitely want to talk about it. But we got Hunter Biden. We got Whoopi G. I don't want, I'm not going to give her the name that she chose. She's Whoopi G. She don't deserve that, that Goldberg. I don't know why she chose it. If I had a one question to ask her, it'd be, why in the world did you choose that name? It just doesn't make any sense. But you know, at the same time, and I, I want to talk about this, why are we so okay with, like, censuring Whoopi Goldberg. Let her go. Let her say what she says. Finally, we get to see the real Whoopi Goldberg. Beyond the fact it was callous and insensitive and anything, it was stupid. Even with Joe Biden saying all the things he said, what she said was probably the stupidest thing ever said on television. Right. The Holocaust had nothing to do with races. I've never heard it. And, and most people have said the same thing. And then people say, well, Whoopi didn't mean that. Whoopi, okay, okay, I get it. I think she did. I clearly think she did. But I'm going to get into that. But I want to establish right now. Jen Psaki, the White House, you know, press secretary, she called for the censorship of Joe Rogan. Why? This cancel culture, censure everything. What happened to the First Amendment in this country? Whoopi Goldberg, she's got the right to say what she says. Why should we be punishing her for telling her thoughts? There's nothing wrong with that. You may not like it. I think it's totally stupid. But there she is. That's what she said. And why not be thankful that you could see the real Whoopi Goldberg? You can see who she really is. You can see what she really thinks. You can delve into it. You can understand it. I don't want Whoopi Goldberg to... Quit. I want the view to be canceled. I want people to like this show. That other woman on the show, oh my God, she's horrible. Take it off the air, that's fine. But if you don't want to take it off the air, don't punish somebody because they made a stupid statement. For the conservatives, and especially the Jews, why are we condemning old Whoopi Goldberg said she's finally telling the truth about something? Gives us a chance to look at something. You want to fight anti-Semitism? You got to understand, you don't have a clue what anti-Semitism is. You think it's hate crimes. It's hate speech. You don't know what it is. I think that you don't want to recognize what it is, because if you did, you'd be digging a lot deeper to try to understand it. And not that there aren't people that do, but it always comes up with hate crimes. Like, if you think hatefully, that's a crime. And 
I've just never got that. Before I get into the meat of this podcast, there's a couple of things I, I, I just want to mention. There's a documentary on HBO or one of those programs called The Bronx. It was about these guys that graduated DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx in 1949. They're stars. They're comedians and movie stars, and Chaz Palmateri was one of them. So they did this documentary going back to DeWitt High School and walking the streets that they grew up on, going back into the buildings. Now, here it is, 2021 or whenever the, they made the documentary. From 1949, go figure. Now these guys are in their 80s. And I think what prompted them to go back was one of them died. They had a club called the Bronx Boys or something like that. And there was 15 of them. There was at least, you know, 10 or 12 that got together and got back to the Bronx and did this documentary. First place, it was interesting. It was informational. I mean... I'm from Brooklyn. I got my own Bronx stories. And they didn't talk about my Bronx alma mater. What about Youth House, you know, 1212 Spofford Avenue? That was the home of juvenile delinquents, 600 and 700 schools. That's my Bronx alma mater. <laughs> they didn't get that one at all. Didn't even mention it. But again, it was, I want to say it was sweet because it was. Because these guys were pretty sweet. And they went back to the old neighborhoods and they talked about it. And there was something worth seeing in the juxtaposition between the kids now going to DeWitt Clinton High School. And the school is pretty dilapidated compared to where it was. It was a beautiful building. It was gorgeous. You know, in the 40s and 50s, DeWitt Clinton High School was pretty well known throughout New York. And now it's kind of run down. But then you'll go to the inside, and all the kids that these 15 guys who were mostly Jews, Italians, and immigrants, many of them had come here from Poland, Czechoslovakia, and Germany, Russia. And if they didn't come here, their parents came here. So they were the first generation born here, which really mirrored the current kids at DeWitt Clinton who were mostly black, Puerto Rican, and, you know, different cultures from around the world. The same kind of thing. I don't know what the ratio was, how many of those Bronx boys were, um, you know, out of the 15, were born in a different country, and the same thing with the kids. It was about the same number of kids that they had, and it was kind of a balanced thing. And the more that they showed an interview, then you got to know the individuals and their individual stories, the more they seemed just the same. The kids who lived there in the 40s, they were going through hell, their own hell. Their parents are going through hell. Everything that they're going through today, the hell that they're going through today. The gal who's the president of the student body and who you know had to put together the graduation, she's living with her mom and in the apartment in the Bronx and they get evicted. And so you see what people are going through, how tough it is. And then you see how the same is so similar. I don't know if it's a real uh, mirror of total society because so many of the kids, both from the class of 49 and the class of 17, went on to college. 
It's like, wait a minute. When I was in Brooklyn, I don't know how many of the kids or what percentage went on to college. It just wasn't the hugest priority, and it was expensive even then. And what was interesting was that the guys from 1949 talked about something and, and left an impression. And the guy from 1949 said, I don't know where I heard this, but I want to pass it on. Somebody, George, who died, once said, life ain't fair. Get over it. And it was kind of cool because it spoke right to exactly what they were all talking about. But there were all these issues, horrible issues for everybody back then and everybody now going through the same thing. And then it ended with that gal who was president of the student body that was graduating saying the same thing in her speech. And she ended it with that. So the lesson for the last 60 or 70 years, nothing changes. Life ain't fair. Get over it. And I thought the way they did it was pretty cool. I, I just wanted to put that out there. If you happen to see it, because I think when we, when we get a picture of who we are in our world, we look at our televisions mostly to, to see the reflection of who we are, the talking heads, the news media, the programs that are talking about all the celebrities and this and that and everything. I, I think that's the reflection of who we are, and it's not. I think this was more of a reflection of who we are. I want to talk about something that I think is more important, and that is the national priorities need to be put into perspective. If I had a name, a title, it would be national priorities, but here we are in the edge of World War III. Inflation now seems out of control. The Fed seems to have let the train leave the station and are now going to raise interest rates into that inflation, which is already there. It's cooking. And it just looks more like a knee-jerk reaction than a carefully planned and thought-out strategy, which is what you want from an organization like the Fed, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like maybe that's what they wanted to do, but they weren't allowed to do it. They had to keep the interest rates down. So when they should have caught this thing right in the butt, instead they let it grow to where it is. It's out of control. Now, Biden wants to throw a lot more money at the problem, which is caused by a lot more money. And the Fed wants to raise interest rates, which might be the right thing if they just don't get carried away because it's going to put more fuel on that fire. They got to do it. And I hope they do it very carefully, not half a point at a time. You know, we're talking about 25 basis points maybe and then waiting about three or four months. But it sounds like they're going to just, you know, run away with it. So all this stuff is going on. And the cries of racism had been bubbling up for decades, okay? From Jesse Jackson to Louis Farrakhan to Al Sharpton, and now they've spiked with Colin Kaepernick. So progress is always important. Don't get me wrong. We want to see progress in, in racial relations. I want the Italians to get along better with the Jews. It's always been an issue. We always want to get together. But look at the progress the United States has made. And, of course, this is the beginning of Black History Month. And that's why I bring it up. I think it's so important that the U.S., the United States has made so much progress 
then why not allow this to continue without the drama, the name-calling? Now we seem to be focused on any and every complaint except anti-Semitism. That's right. <laughs> you hear about it, but you don't hear about it. Asians are being discriminated against the scenes by educational institutions as prestigious as Harvard, who, by the way, Asian groups are suing. Gays and transgender people are crying foul more and more. Year after year, Muslims have been calling out on Islamophobia, even after 9-11, when Islamophobia, hello, we're talking about terrorism, Islamic extremist terrorism at its height. And people call us Islamophobic at the drop of a hat. And any government program to try to avoid terrorist attacks or pandemic exposure. So we say, okay, we can't allow people coming in from certain countries. Well, if those countries have to be dominantly Muslim, then we're called Islamophobic. Well, it didn't matter. It's not the reason. The point is, all these things are going on. Anti-Semitism is consistently the majority of hate crime reports year after year. But is there a national uproar about anti-Semitism? Hell no. It seems like the opposite. The United States Congress representatives, known as the squad, put out anti-Semitic statements all the time. Usually, they argue it's anti-Zionist, not against Jews, but the Jewish state of Israel. So that makes it okay, right? No. The BDS movement, boycott, disdivestment, which means disinvesting in Israel, and sanctions. BDS, boycott, divestment, and sanctions. Now, that is supported by so many of these socialist Marxist groups even Jewish left-wing groups, and it seems the Democrat Party for sure, because they're not sanctioning members of the squad or any other BDS supporters or supporting organizations. Clearly, if this type of anti-Semitism was directed against black or predominantly black nations, it would be labeled racist, okay? What makes it okay to hate Jews? Oh, yeah, there's the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, and a bunch of other organizations, APAC included. But do they really fight anti-Semitism? Hell no. If they did, they would start with supporting President Trump 100%. Jerusalem, Golan Heights, the Abraham Accords, and a hell of a lot more cut off at the knees and virtually canceled than they all have. But you don't hear about Jerusalem, you don't hear about the Golan Knights. The only thing you hear about the Abraham Accords is Israel going to countries like the Torah, the Emirates, and making deals because of the Abraham Accords. But you don't hear about the news media that doesn't like peace in the Middle East is such a big deal. No, they don't want to talk about peace in the Middle East. They want to talk about war in the Ukraine. And maybe they should talk about war in the Ukraine and give us a warning like, what the heck's going on? Wake up. You better wake up your president, America, because we're headed off a cliff. But you know what? As far as everything that Trump did, if you want to do something with anti-Semitism, then you support the state of Israel and you point out 
that this BDS thing is wrong and it should take out the D because it's BS. And that's anti-Semitism in the largest and overwhelming form. But they don't want to do that. So why don't we then begin Black History Month by censoring Whoopi Goldberg? To me, that's whoops number two, because it makes no sense. Let's look at this Whoopi G, as I call her. The Holocaust wasn't racist. Does this create a problem for the some of my best friends are Jewish crowd? Yeah, there's a big some of my best friends are Jewish crowd. <laughs> and Whoopi is right there. Not only is some of her best friends Jewish, she adopted a Jewish name. She could have picked any name of the book. She could have picked O'Hurley. <laughs> she could have picked anything. She picked Goldberg. So clearly, you know, she's sucking up to the Jews. Well, that's a harsh way of putting it, but that's kind of like what it is. She created a problem. Some, some of my best friends are Jewish crowd because that's what they do. And, and what about the apology and the two-week suspension? Well, she got caught, and the two-week suspension is bullshit. Whoopi G is entitled to her opinion and shouldn't be afraid to state whatever her opinions are in America. She's a talking head, for crying out loud. She's on television. She's supposed to be doing that. So why are we celebrating censorship? Us on the right, us who are conservatives, us who believe in the Constitution, us who believe in free speech. Why are we celebrating cancel culture? Oh, we're happy. Oh, no, no don't get it to us. Get rid of it totally. Why? And she did apologize, so accept it. Don't do what the left does. Forgive for sure, but don't forget. Remember when Jesse Jackson called New York City Jaime Town? Yeah, that's right. Jesse Jackson called New York City Jaime Town. Of course you don't remember. Because the Dems and the left-wing Jews swept it under the rug. And for those of us pissed enough to remember it, it went to the same place. All the Farrakhan comments have gone. Why make that mistake again? Whoopi G is too mainstream. Let's chalk it up to politics. She's never the raging Jesse Jackson or an Al Sharpton. She may agree with them, but that's not her thing. She's kind of mainstream. Well, she was, but you know, so different. So let's analyze it and try to understand what this amazing comment means. That the Holocaust wasn't about racism. I'm, I'm no psycho mind reader, but bells went off in my head instantly. Boom. Six million Jews are killed. A race almost wiped out by another race, the Aryan race. But Jews, they ain't black, so stay off my turf. Yep, don't let those Jews take over my territory, damn it. They've got everything else. So think about Whoopi's world, her agents, her lawyers, most of her bosses. They've all been Jews. Her accountants, her stockbrokers, her financial advisors, they've all been Jews. All the Jews she's known have been successful. So what the hell now? They're going to take over our big moment? They're going to take over our quote-unquote industry? Stop horning, oh, yeah, pardon the pun, 
in. You don't need this, and we do. That's Whoopi Goldberg. It's like, wait a minute. Come on. We get the Holocaust was a bad thing, killed a lot of Jews. Now you're going to call it racist? That's our thing. That's what Whoopi Goldberg is. I'm sorry, but you know what? I say leave Whoopi up there. If they want to cancel the view, okay. Leave her up there so this can get discussed. Let's talk about this when she's up there every day. Let people call in and text whatever they do to the view. Let people ask her, why did you say that? What were you thinking? Why are you so upset that the Jews, who have been amazing in the history of civilization, the first people to believe in monotheism, one God, no one ever thought about that before. It was always a God of this and a God of that. Multi-gods. Everything that happened had to have a God. The Jews said, no, there's one God. And they pay the price. And everybody always says to you, it's not if you don't get knocked down. You're going to get knocked down if you get back up. No one has gotten knocked down. No one has gotten knocked down in the history of the world more, to my knowledge, than the Jews. Christians are tremendously persecuted around the world today. There's no question about it. Even the Muslims, you see what's going on with the Uyghurs in, in China. So there's always persecution. But from the dawn of civilization, from the Maccabees fighting against the Philistines, taking down the temple, I mean, everything. The Romans took over Israel and Jerusalem and Pontius Pilate ran it. And he's the one who gave the death penalty of being crucified to Jesus Christ. So you go back over 2,000 years, and then you had everything, the Inquisition, everything, and the Holocaust. We come roaring back. God bless my people. What my grandparents went through in Russia, the Russian Revolution. You know, my grandmother used to tell me stories, God bless her, of what it was like growing up as a Jew in Russia, when the Cossacks used to run their horses down the street and the Jewish kids, they just run them right over. They just run right through them. I guess when you're a little kid, you block out a lot of the stuff that just was pretty horrible. But there's no question of what it was like. Time after time, episode after episode, and I'm not talking about a podcast. I'm talking about real life. This is what we live through as a people. But what, what do we do? We come back up, we get back up. And we fight. And the biggest resurgence of Judaism of my people, the biggest one after World War II, that somehow, some way, we get a state, our own state, Israel, which has been ours from the beginning. That's where Judaism began. Places like Judea and Hebron. Hebron. That's where you get the name Hebrew. That's where you get the name Judaism, Jewish, Judea, Hebron. These are the places. Those are places in Israel. This is where it all started. Jerusalem, the holy city. It's where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Israel. Jesus was a Jew. Mary and Joseph were Jewish. 
And what happened? What was the persecution? We came back after every one of them. That's the legacy of my people. And what do we do? Why is, you know, the place of people like the ADL? Now, APAC pretty much fights for Israel. APAC does a pretty good job. I don't know that they fight that hard against anti-Semitism, but that's not the reason they're here. The, the reason they're here is to fight for Israel, not against anything. But the ADL, they say they're against anti-Semitism, but that's not what they seem to be doing. They seem to be fighting for, quote-unquote, diversity. How many Jews are you demanding in every business? You're fighting for diversity? What diversity should be to the ADL and to any other organization is that you find the best person for the job, man, woman, whatever, all the rest of it, doesn't matter. The fact is, and I say this over and over, and you may be sick of it, but it's a fact. And, and we should be fighting for this. That diversity means you find the best person for the job, no matter their race, color, creed, crime, religion, whatever. doesn't matter. That's what diversity, but not to the ADL. The ADL fights for gays, LGBTQ. They fight for all these organizations. The last thing they fight for, in my opinion, is Jewish independence. That the Jewish person should be free from persecution. Not free from people hating us. There's always going to be the haters. It's not a crime. Sorry. When you spend all your time and energy, you know, and devoted to making believe that hating is a crime, I think you're wasting time and money. You're going in the wrong direction. You, I don't think you're being productive when you go in that direction. But, you know, I'm off on a tangent. I'm talking about anti-Semitism. I really want to talk about this Black History Month that we're supposed to be celebrating. And instead, I'm looking at this, and all I hear is that this is a racist country, and I'm a racist person because I vote for Republicans. I, I think Donald Trump was the greatest president, at least in my lifetime. And so they talk about him like he's some sort of a racist or something. Well, if he is, I am, because I'm part of that whole Trump thing. Kind of gets me pissed off to hear that kind of stuff, because the last thing I think of myself as is a racist. Not even close. So here we're going to Black History Month, and I wonder, when I think about Black History Month year after year, when we look back, I think about the 60s, the 70s, I think about the progress that this country has made. I think about from Jackie Robinson to whoever the stars are in sports today. When the kids wear jerseys with the numbers on the back, I don't know what percentage of white kids wear black football players and baseball players numbers on the back of their shirts that they buy. It's not my thing. People that do that, do they ever look at that? Do they ever think about that? You know, it wasn't just Jackie Robinson. It was Junior Gilliam, Roy, Roy Campanella. I can remember these guys. These were the stars when I was a kid. And I wasn't a Dodger fan. I was a Yankee fan. How about that? But you still remember these names. 
Who could ever forget Willie Mays? I'm not saying they should know them now. I'm just telling you, even back then, if we were alive then, these are the names of the best of baseball. And they, they happen to be black. So what? And I know the Jackie Robinson story is something special. Yeah, I do. But, you know, so is Hank Greenberg. So there's an awful lot. But what is it that brings my people back with the force-multiplying energy of, yeah, we're coming back and we're building the state of Israel? They got that state had nothing. It was a desert. It didn't have anything. Nothing grew. Somehow, some way. And they had to fight their way every inch of the way. I remember Cliffy Rowan in, in like, what, 1955, 1956? We were 10, 12 years old, 6th and 7th grade in the assembly. Guns for the Arabs, sneakers for the Jews. That was the war that was going on. They ridiculed us. But we won that war. We won that war against Egypt and NASA the president of Egypt at that time, they had everything. They were going to wipe us out. That was 1956. We fought every day. And then in 67, the Six-Day War in 73, the Yom Kippur War, it was always a war and it was always multi-nations. They hated us and they still do. And we're fighting against Hamas and we give away the land. We gave away Gaza. We did everything, every gesture. Oh, yeah, you want to say that the Palestinians lost? Listen, the Palestinians that live in Israel live a fine life. How many Palestinians are part of the Knesset, the Israeli parliament? Is it perfect? I don't know. I've been there a dozen times or more, but I don't live there. I don't know. But I do know that all they've ever wanted, the Palestinians and, and the Arab nations around her to do, was accept Israel's right to exist. UN Resolution 442, it's Israel's right to, they won't do it. They do not want to accept Israel's right to exist. And now they want to negotiate and have been for 10 years or more. Back, you know, the green line, the boundaries of 1967. It just doesn't make any sense. I was going to do a comparison. There is no comparison. It's just, stupidity on display. Take a page out of our book. Stand up and step up. Look how far. Let's celebrate. Celebrate all these movie stars and actors, actresses, all the talent, all the amazing talent. Everybody's got talent, man. Every nationality. Look at the Chinese. Yeah, I mean, everyone. Clearly, in America, we should be celebrating, if we want to celebrate people of color, celebrate that talent. Celebrate what they do that's so special and appreciate it. Celebrate how far we've come. Is there still prejudice? Absolutely. Most people that I know hate Jews. That's a fact. I guarantee you, somebody every day, there's somebody that's going to say around you somewhere, if you want to pay attention. The, the things is just grossly, you know, right out there like that freaking Jew bastard. Or oh, look at all those Jews. Or oh, what about the Jew pay? You know what the Jew payroll is? Yeah, that's uh, like a Jew bankroll. It's like a $20 bill 
wrapped around 50 singles. <laughs> so it looks bigger than it is. Clearly, if you don't know, that's what it is. I've been listening to that all my life. What do I do? Sometimes I shrug it off, and sometimes I say something. But we learn not to create a hateful moment out of everybody's statement. I'm not saying they're innocent. I'm saying they're not meant to be as hateful as your claim would make it. Let's relax. Take it easy. No one's saying that to beat you over the head with it. Yeah, once in a while somebody is. Once in a while someone's going to call you a kike. Once in a while someone's going to call you a Jew because they really hate you. So when I talk about that, I think about the peacemaker. Have you seen the peacemaker? Let me end this with a rant about the peacemaker. I am not a guy that follows anything from DC Comics or any of the other. I never understood it as an adult. I, I used to be a voracious reader. Not so much anymore. Television has really taken over. I just know DC Comics. So I just don't pay attention. But you know it's there, right? So the Peacemaker thing comes on. And, of course, Robert Patrick is my buddy, and he tells me, okay, I want to see it. And then and I find out that it's a parody, okay? It kind of makes fun of all the superheroes. I loved them as a kid, don't get me wrong. Everyone from Aquaman to Wonder Woman to Captain Marvel, I loved Captain Marvel. So then I find out the Peacemaker is Chris Smith, who plays the role. It's stupid, but it's incredible. He goes out and kills everybody. That's what he does to make peace. Well, it's pointing something out. And I think there's a message here. I don't know if the writer, James Gunn, had this in mind, but when I see it, I look at this guy killing everybody in the name of peace, and I said, yeah, that's what I remember in the 60s. When I was in Vietnam, everything was about peace, and that was what was killing everybody. He's so right. I go, wow, it's about time somebody said that. What a way to say it in the stupid comic book kind of a TV series. But so right on, using what our culture has devolved to over the years, last 50 or 60 years, using that to try to illustrate the people whose mentality seems to have never matured past that. So that's the message. That's the way it comes out. And I'm like, wow, it's so right. Everything about it's so right, it has such a message. But let me just get to this one part where Robert Patrick plays his dad. And his dad, and I guess in the original Peacemaker going back, back in the 70s, I don't know when, the Peacemaker's dad was a Nazi. Well, it's interesting. Of course, when I found out he's going to play the Peacemaker's dad and what the guy was, kind of a racist, this and that. I was saying, oh my God, we just like Archie Bunker. So Archie Bunker was a bumbling caricature of a buffoon, a clown, who made every right-wing extremist, kind of like me, look like a racist homophobe, unlike me. Okay? So it should be ridiculed and pitied and laughed at. And that's the Archie Bunker model of playing 
you know, this right-wing buffoon. So Robert Patrick gets in there, and he plays Augie Smith's father, originally a, a Nazi, now just a real serious as a heart attack racist who, you know, we should not laugh at, who we should understand. And that's how he plays it. He plays it seriously. Like, this guy is bad. This is something that you need to be alarmed about and concerned about. Augie Smith is serious as a heart attack, okay? And this is not something we should just, you know, Archie Bunkerize. And Robert Patrick does it. And it's interesting to see the difference because most of the people that we call racist, the most of the people that we today want to condemn and throw out of the military, call them white supremacist nationalists, they're more like Archie Bunkerists. They're just like, come on, you know, leave us alone. Not Augie Smith. Not the real deal. And what you're doing is you're lumping all these things together and giving them one title. And I think what Robert Patrick is doing is giving us an opportunity to look at and understand what real racism is so we could fix the problem that causes this guy to be this very serious anomaly. Clearly not your run-of-the-mill opinionated right-winger who jokes about issues that bother them, but not to offend, but to vent. That's all. It's like Polish jokes. They're funny. Or you know, whatever the joke. It's a joke. But it's not meant to beat someone over the head. It's meant to, you know, maybe point the finger and say, hey, by the way, there's things we don't like about whatever. It's surely not a crime. And we shouldn't make it one. It's just Archie Bunker. Augie Smith, that's serious. And now we can see the difference, finally. And we need to do that. We're in this Black History Month. Let's appreciate black history. You've come a long way, baby. Come a long way. And how far are you going to go back? I remember the TV series Roots. Started off in Africa, whatever his name was. Was taken as a slave by the other African troops. Do we go back to that? When we talk about Black History Month? Have we come that far? Because we have. And today, from movie stars to executives, business executives, intelligent people, doctors. You can name the names. They're out there all day long. Black leaders of America in, in every way. I mean, and I don't want to go with the Barack Obama thing as president, but I should. Because if he could do it, anybody could do it. So this is what we should be celebrating. And then who should be leading that charge? Every black person in this country should be celebrating how far they've come and should be condemning organizations like Black Lives Matter. Where's the ADL condemning BLM? Where are they? What are they doing about that? If they were standing up for Jews in America, but you know what? I get it. Most of the liberals that are running organizations like Black Lives Matter are probably Jews. It's crazy out there. It's absolutely crazy out there. But I think we need to calm down. It's like Zelensky, president of Ukraine, 
tell him, Biden, calm down. Don't get the Russians all riled up and crazy. They're riled up and crazy enough. We don't need you to do that. That's what we all need to do. Calm down. Embrace this greatest country in the world, this greatest place for everybody of every culture and color and religion and everybody to be in this melting pot, this great melting pot with diversity that bubbles up naturally, not fixed by some quota program that's just not right. I'm New York Mike. This is Roll Right Radio. Don't forget, rolling right is right. (laughs) And we're going to be rolling into Rolling to Remember. Let's talk about Rolling to Remember. Let's build that crew. Let's make sure when we get there, we make that statement that those who serve this country, we deserve to be appreciated. The families, especially the families of the fallen, the families who have sacrificed and given so much. Memorial Day, we honor our dead, but we remember everyone, and it's important. Rolling to remember. That's where Rolling Thunder is gone. Rolling to remember. Don't forget, it's coming. It's going to be the end of May. Here we are. March, April, boom, May. That's it. We're getting close. All right, I'm New York Mike. New York Mike, rolling right. Roll right radio. Gets confusing, doesn't it? Hey, well, I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.